Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the sidelines podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 76th episode, and I bring on colleague from 24-7 Sports, Brian Snow, to talk all things recruiting. We jumped into a number of topics, including talking the recruitments of James Wiseman, Cole Anthony, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen LeCue, and Matthew Hurt, all highly touted prospects in the 2019 class. And then we jumped into some of the best recruiting classes in the country. Can USC keep the number one spot in the team rankings? How are Kentucky and Duke looking in the 2019 recruiting class? And then we jumped into Louisville and Arizona. So it's a pretty action-packed, full-of-recruiting-talk podcast. Before we jump to that conversation. I want to make sure that you are supporting the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. And the best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple podcasts and or your favorite podcast app, hit the subscribe button for me, leave a rating, leave a review. All those things are very helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. My handles are at Evan Daniels at both would love to know what you think of the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump to that conversation with Brian Snow. It's time to go. Minimum. With Evan Daniels, send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in my colleague over 24-7 Sports, Brian Snow, to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Brian, what's up, man? Not too much. Just tracking visits, Evan. It's that time of year, visit season, unofficials and officials, and now juniors can take official visits, and it's also commitment season, and uh, we wanted to kind of jump right in and talk a little recruiting, uh, which is why I brought Brian on. And I want to start with three recruitments that I would consider three of the most interesting recruitments in this 2019 class. And we'll start off with the number one player in the country, both in the 24-7 sports composite and also in the top 24-7. James Wiseman has his list to a couple. Kentucky, Memphis is going to take visits to Vanderbilt, Florida State, and Kansas. How do you handicap this deal, Brian? You know, I've always seen it as a Memphis-Kentucky battle. Clearly, if he's going to be taking other visits, that means there's some level of interest otherwise. And I think you can see Kansas being a school that maybe sneaks in there. That You know, Bill Self tends to do really well when he gets involved in a recruitment, just kind of hangs around, and all of a sudden he gets a visit, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? And Kansas tends Andrew to be Wiggins. really good. Yeah, definitely Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> so, you know, Kansas can be really good in that setting. So I think it'd be stupid to discount them completely. But in general, it sounds like Kentucky or Memphis, you know, depending on who you listen to, you get a different answer on which way it's going. What I'll be interested to see is does he decide early or does he wait to the spring? Right now he's saying he's going to wait to the spring. Yeah. It becomes easier not to go to Memphis if he, the longer he waits. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and the reason Brian's referring to that is because Penny Hardaway coached him in high school last year. They won a state title. I've actually talked to his mother, Donzele Artis, a handful of times, and she is adamant that it's not a, a Kentucky-Memphis battle, despite everyone really kind of thinking it has been. Those other schools have all come in for in-home visits. They're going to take official visits to all of them, and they haven't scheduled a fifth one, actually. He's already been to Kentucky. He's going to go to Florida State, Vanderbilt, and Kansas, and has not scheduled an official visit to Memphis. Now, he has been there unofficially recently when – Uh, a week or so ago when Jalen Green and R.J. Hampton were there. You know, if I were handicapping this, and I I think I'm kind of on the the opposite end of most, I would say that Kentucky – I think Kentucky is is leading. 
Um, that doesn't mean I think they're going to get them. That's who I have as my crystal ball. But uh, that's the school that I kind of think is 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 out in front now. Will he definitely end up there? Who knows? There's a ways to go. You know, his mom's been pretty adamant that he's going to wait till the spring. Could you pick a, a favorite at this this standpoint? You know, like you, I, my gut still says Kentucky. I, I have people telling me it's going to be Memphis. But like I said, he's waiting to the spring, you know, and I, this doesn't always play out, you know, where I live, Romeo Langford waited to the spring and, and he stayed with the home school, Indiana. Right. But this was last year. But still, technically, typically when you wait until the spring, man, that kind of just indicates you don't want to make your decision and make people mad during the high school season. So I'm just really interested in that. Now, that might I don't think that's necessarily James's logic right now and his mom's logic. It's just something I've seen over the years. So I'll be really interested to see, you know, is that going to be the case as time plays out? For sure. What The other thing I'm interested to see in this James Wiseman recruitment is he has that fifth official visit to schedule, and I don't think Memphis is a shoe in to get it. Now, I don't know that that matters all that much, but if I'm Penny Hardaway and, and those guys over at Memphis, I want the same opportunity uh, to take that kid to some extravagant restaurants and have him on campus for a couple straight days where you can – pay for everything just like all these other schools are getting and I don't think it's a definite that they're going to get official visit it wouldn't surprise me to see some random school uh, get an official visit and and be in the mix here but as I said this this recruitment uh, according to his mom is a ways away from from being decided and pretty much agree with with everything you just said Brian the 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 second kid I wanted to discuss is is Cole Anthony Um, this is an interesting recruitment for a number of reasons but I guess starting with it, it's just been kind of a mystery because, as you know, Brian, Cole just doesn't talk recruiting that much. Yeah, he doesn't talk, and really the only people involved are him, his mom, and his dad. So there, there's no one you can really go to to get information because his dad isn't talking to you, his mom isn't talking to you about it, and Cole darn sure isn't talking to you about it. And, you know, coaches are kind of up in the air about it. You know, there's no one seems to know. And, and this one, you know, the other thing about this one is we've – all pretty much been told from the very beginning he's going to be the last kid in the class to commit now you never know that for sure but every indication has been like put this kid on commitment watch in april but he is taking official visits in the fall so again it could kind of be like romeo langford last year where he took all his official visits in the fall but then he didn't decide till even after the mcdonald's game i think we could see a similar thing with cole yeah, I think that's a really good point. He he just took his first official visit. He went to Notre Dame the weekend of the 14th, and he is scheduled to go to North Carolina this coming weekend. And this one's hard to handicap for all the reasons that Brian just said. And it really wouldn't surprise me to see Cole Anthony do something different. Like, I think it's a legitimate possibility that Cole Anthony could end up at a Notre Dame or could end up at a Pittsburgh. I think North Carolina will have a good shot uh, when it's all said and done. But, I mean, if you look at the crystal ball that attempts to predict where kids are going to go, 60% of the predictions are for Duke. And truth be told, Duke's barely – I don't think that they've been that involved with the recruitment of Cole Anthony. Like, I don't see him going there. I think Oregon would have a shot. But it just wouldn't surprise me to see Cole do something different and end up at a Notre Dame or a Pittsburgh, who I expect to get a visit. It's just an interesting recruitment. Yeah, and I think Oregon, I believe Cole was born in Portland, so there is a connection to Oregon. He has some ties out there, and there are schools that gets mentioned. It, but like you said, with Cole, you could tell me he's going to any school in the country, and I couldn't even argue with you, and I <laughs> yeah. like to argue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, he he's probably of the, the three kids we're going to go through right now, but maybe even as much as any kid in the country – He's probably the most difficult kid to predict on where they're going to go to school. One, because he's just not going to decide for a long time. Like, I don't think he's deciding until April. 
and his dad has made that clear, and his dad is Greg Anthony, former NBA player, that they want to wait out this whole process and see what happens with college coaches, what happens with rosters. He's just a ways away, and, and you and I both know from, from covering recruiting for so many years, uh, if a decision is that far away, his mind could change five times before he ultimately makes his college choice. So uh, Cole Anthony, who is number three overall in the 24-7 sports composite, a tremendous athlete, and arguably one of the best competitors in this class. I, I don't see him making a decision for quite some time. Let's jump over to Isaiah Stewart. And I think as of now, it's the most fascinating recruitment to me. The stage is kind of set. You know, this is a kid that I think everyone had penciled in to Duke. And that's just not the case anymore. Right, Brian? Yeah, you know, it, it sounded like Duke early. And then, you know, he, he goes to school at Lalamere School in LaPorte, Indiana, which is a couple hours from where I lived. And I know a lot of people at Lalamere, know a lot of people around Isaiah. And that early on, it sounded Duke. Then you kept hearing Villanova. Then it was even Michigan State. And now, you know, I just put in a crystal ball for Kentucky. It sounds like the Wildcats, the Kentucky Wildcats, that is, have a lot of momentum. And it's going to be really interesting. He, he let them into his recruitment late. They didn't make his top six or final six or whatever he called it. Well, now they're getting an official visit. And usually if you let a school in when you have options like Indiana and, you know, Duke, Michigan State, Villanova, it's not like, you know, they're jumping in over Mac schools here. So usually when you let a school in late like that, you let them in for a reason. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how in there Kentucky is because I've heard they have made up a ton of ground here recently. Well, here's the other thing, too, and I, and I don't know if you remember this, Brian, but back in uh, very end of June, early July, I was actually in Argentina watching the FIBA U17 team play, and he told me at that time that kind of word had made it to him that Kentucky was going to uh, come visit him. And at that time, they hadn't offered. And the truth is, is nothing really materialized for a couple of weeks. Like, I think they kept in touch with him maybe, but nothing really materialized until recently. And here's kind of what I think. I don't think John Calipari gets involved in a recruitment of a kid that is said to be headed to Duke unless he had a really good chance to get him, especially jumping in this late. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think Kentucky has a lot of momentum, but I also don't think it's a done deal for them. Michigan State has had him on campus a number of times unofficially. I, I think they're still right there. And I'm not, even though, you know, I, we said that early on it looked like he was penciled in for Duke. Like, I don't think Duke is out of it by any means. I still think they'll get an official visit. He's only scheduled two so far. He went to Washington last weekend, and then he's going to Kentucky this coming weekend. So I think we'll know a lot more in the near future and maybe even after this Kentucky visit in terms of who else he visits, because I do think that he'll take officials to those other schools. Yeah, that, that's certainly very possible. And, you know, he's got USA basketball coming up in two weekends. So this is going to be, assuming he doesn't, you know, do something that no one expects and that's commit this weekend. It sounds like, it, you know, it's going to be a little while here. And one thing to consider, he is friends with Jaron Jackson Jr., who went to Michigan State. You know, Jaron did hit, even though they were never on the same team, you know, Jaron did a prep year at La Lamira as well, and Jaron's father still coaches at the school. So there is a connection from Michigan State there. The campus isn't very far from East Lansing. So, it, you know, Michigan State's certainly in there and definitely is one to keep monitoring closely. Outside of those three, Brian, and you obviously cover recruiting as, as well as anyone, is there any other recruitment that, that really intrigues or fascinates you from these top tier of guys in 2019 class? You know, one kid that, that's been so interesting to me is Jalen LeCue. He's a kid we had, we had ranked really, really high. And he, quite honestly, he struggled a little bit this spring and summer shooting the ball. And then he put together a list, and I couldn't even tell you who's on it right now, but it's maybe the most random, like, 10 schools I've ever seen. 
<laughs> and I couldn't, ha- I couldn't tell you any idea where he's going. I know he made an official visit to NC State. I think he went to Tennessee, but it's like, I have no idea. Yeah. And he, the other thing is, he's draft eligible. Yeah, he is. So he's, there, he's there's a lot fifth. of factors with Jalen McHugh. Yeah, he's fifth. Uh, he's doing a fifth year. He's he's over at uh, Brewster Academy uh, for a postgraduate season. And you know, the other thing is, is he just went to Tennessee, and they just got a big commitment um, from a you know a lead guard, a primary ball handler, and Josiah James. So how much does getting Josiah James impact Jalen Lequeux, or does it at all? Uh, I don't know. I know NC State is, is is has been recruiting him pretty heavily, but outside of that, um, it seems kind of wide open. Yeah, the other thing with Jalen is, you know, he's from New York, went to high school in North Carolina, now is at a prep school in New Hampshire. There, there's just so many, like, different ties to the kid that really pinning him down on a list or a group of schools is pretty difficult to do. So I'll be interested to see which way that one develops here over the next month and, and maybe even longer. Yeah, the other one that kind of intrigues me, too, outside of that list we talked about is Matthew Hurt, and he, he's one that – all the big, the the blue bloods, the the big time schools have been recruiting and after for for quite some time, and we're talking about Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke and Minnesota's involved, and it, he he has a a who's who's list, and obviously Minnesota's involved because his brother's there, he he's from the state of Minnesota, but everybody has kind of assumed that Kansas is the leader. That said, I don't know that we're going to see any kind of decision from him anytime soon. He's going to go through this process, take visits, and anything could happen. Like, it wouldn't stun me if he ended up in Kentucky or if he ended up in North Carolina, but it seems to be Kansas is getting all the buzz. Yeah, I think people are connecting some dots on Kansas that probably shouldn't be connected. But he likes Kansas, but as as has been put to me a couple different times is, Right now, Matthew's far more interested in his fantasy football team than he is in making a college decision. <laughs> so, you know, it sounds like a spring decision for Matthew. You know, his parents are kind of like, hey, Matthew, you might want to start setting visits. And he's kind of like, I'll get, this, I'll get around to him. Yeah. You know, there, there's just no hurry with him right now. So I he's actually... going to visit all the blue buds. And one thing with Matthew, he's not worried at all about, you know, losing an opportunity. His whole thing is like, if they want me, they'll be there for me. Yeah. And I, I actually think that one's probably a little more wide open than, than people realize. I don't think it's a shoe in for a particular school. I think, you know, the visits are going to factor in and, and like we mentioned with Cole, he's not really in a hurry and, you know, he could change his mind five times before he's ready to decide. I, I think that deal is, is completely wide open. Brian, let's switch gears and kind of jump into some recruiting classes and obviously some of the kids that we just talked about will impact the rankings. But right now, USC has the number one recruiting class in the country, and we are talking basketball, not football. And they've got a, a, a well, really good – because they're a basketball school right now. Have they, you seen their football team? <laughs> I haven't, but you know I'm not a big football guy. But this is a great class in 2019. They've got two five-star prospects in Isaiah Mobley and Onyeka Onkongwu, um, both – uh, Mobley 16 overall, uh, on Kongu 17 overall. I think I butchered that last name. And then three other guys that, that are all five stars or four stars. And I'm not even going to say Max's last name, Drake London and Kyle Sturdivant. <laughs> this is a really good group. Certainly the most difficult names to pronounce in the class. <laughs> Those two are probably um, it. But yeah, I mean, like literally they got the market cornered on that one. So, but yeah, I mean, this is a tremendous class for Andy Enfield and his staff. Clearly they hired Isaiah Mobley's dad, Eric Mobley. So that definitely helped, but you know, getting Onyeka and then Max and 
coming into the state of Georgia and just getting a solid floor general and Kyle Sturdivant, the kind of four-year kid who helps a high major team win a lot of games. You know, they they have a little bit of everything. They got skill, they got athleticism, they got upside, they got immediately ready guys. For them to put this class together is really impressive. When Kentucky and Duke are finished getting their guys, I don't think they'll end up number one, but I think it's it's a lock to be a top five class. Yeah, I think it certainly is, and and uh, you could make a case. Um, that hiring Isaiah Mobley's father uh, was maybe the the best assistant coaching hire of the offseason because that obviously led them to getting Isaiah Mobley. I think it had a major impact on them getting Onyeka Kongwu. Uh, It's going to lead them to getting the number one overall player in 2020, I think, in Evan Mobley, and gives them a a really good chance with Johnny Juzang. So, I mean, what a hire that was. Yeah, that that's getting it done right there. <laughs> but I I really like that, this. That's class. what that's what Memphis had in mind when they, when they made their hire with the with uh, Diedrich Lawson Senior, and that kind of went horribly wrong. But you know, for USC, it seems to be working out really well. Yes, it's especially in the uh, accumulating talent department. I mean, Mobley and Okongwu give them uh, a front court that are ready to contribute immediately. Mobley is physically ready. He's got long arms and a versatile offensive package where uh, Onyeka Kongwu is a defensive specialist, a rim protector with a massive wingspan that, that rebounds his area and competes on that end. And then they've got three perimeter players uh, in Max uh, Polo, uh can really score and uh, Drake London and Kyle Sturdivant that, that both fill roles. And, and London's obviously going to play football, but this five-man class is really good, and uh, I don't know that they're done. They're still recruiting a couple other guys like Boogie Ellis, who's one of the best scorers in the country. So I, I am with you, though. I don't think that they end up number one, certainly somewhere in the three to five range, depending on how the, the chips fall uh, for the rest of these classes. And sitting at number two right now, is Kentucky. Surprise, surprise. They're either number one or number two uh, every year. I think they have been uh, one or two, um, I think, every year uh, since John Calipari's been at Kentucky. And uh, right now their class stands with Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney, and Dante Allen. Two of those guys are five stars, uh, Maxey and Khalil. Um, Both of those guys uh, ranked among the top 10 players in the country. Dante Allen was one of the breakout stars of July. What what sticks out to you, Brian, about this group? Uh, It's getting Khalil Whitney the way they did. Um, Khalil's a native of Chicago. He he goes to school in New Jersey now. His father, Kelly Whitney, was a tremendous player at Seton Hall in the 90s. And he was tremendous this spring. Khalil was phenomenal. Became one of the best small forwards in the country. He can shoot it. He's an athlete gets to the rim, improved his motor, and it's kind of kind of wing. You know, John Calipari in the past has had more combo forwards. You know, this isn't all the time, but certainly the last couple of years, it's been a lot of combo forwards, guys who, you know, are big and athletic but maybe don't have the perimeter skill. Now they got that guy who's big, athletic, and has perimeter skill in Khalil Whitney, and I think that's a big deal for John Calipari in this class. And then obviously Therese Maxey's a tremendous scorer and is, is a power guard who can play on or off the ball. And then Dante Allen's an in-state wing. I think you're going to see him redshirt year one, and he's really, really skilled, can pass, can score, just not a great athlete. But the kind of four-year guy that Kentucky hasn't had a lot of, but you really need to win a national title. For sure. And and you look back at some of these past Kentucky teams and the ones that had a lot of success, they had a guy like Darius Miller that was a upperclassman that, that could really contribute to the team or DeAndre Liggins. or So I, I agree with you. Getting a, a, a guy like Dante Allen who's going to be there for four years, he's an in-state player, the fan base will get behind him, I think, was smart. 
And what you said about Whitney is dead on. And I, I think you could make a case if you were just looking at strictly potential and upside that Khalil Whitney has as much of that as anyone in this class. And I say that because of the physical makeup at six foot six, 195 pounds. He's a freakish athlete. And his body, while it, it certainly looks the part now, it's far from being done developing. Like he's going to get a lot stronger. Uh, he's got very good size and length. And the other stuff is coming. Like he hasn't necessarily shot the ball that well, but his shot mechanics are really good. Uh, he's probably an average off the catch shooter right now, but his shot mechanics are really good. And I think he's only going to improve there. And then obviously the potential on the defensive end. I agree with you. I, I think it's a really good start to their class. And that's the thing about Kentucky. They're pretty much never done. And I think now that they, they're, they're looking at trying to get Scotty Lewis, who they're one of two for, and then getting some big men. Yeah, and like we said, you know, involved with Isaiah Stewart, involved with James Wiseman, Oscar Shibwe, I believe is how he pronounces his name. That was impressive, Snow. He's supposed Snow. to be coming in this weekend. You know, I'm a genius. Uh, he's supposed to be coming in this weekend as well. It's, that's pretty much them in West Virginia. You know, that, those are all five-star big guys that Kentucky's in on. They're still recruiting Keon Brooks out of Indiana, who's another five-star. So Kentucky's on the right guys. I know people are going to find that shocking. Yeah, very, very shocking. And I think what's interesting is we just saw a recent outburst of, of big men offers from them and referring to Isaiah Stewart and, and Oscar Zeke Najee, who's getting ready to cut his list, but they offered those guys, and I think it kind of is because the four big men they have, or I don't think they're expecting any of those guys back. Obviously, Reed Travis is not going to be able to come back, but Nick Richards, P.J. Washington, and even E.J. Montgomery, I'm thinking the thought process right now is those guys probably won't be back for another year, so Kentucky's really trying to step things up, especially with you know James Wiseman possibly waiting, uh, Matthew Hurt, possibly waiting until the spring like there's going to be some decisions that are going to take some time to um, to develop and I think that's one reason they went out and, and offered a bunch of big men the school that's noticeably absent from the top five right now is Duke where do things stand with the Duke recruiting class right now Brian you know it's interesting you, you look at it a lot of people thought they'd get Isaiah Stewart that might be trending away from them a little bit right now then it's they did work early with Vernon Carey but they don't seem to be in his top two or so and, and that's another top five player so duke's going through something they haven't gone through the last couple of years where some of kind of their top guys you're looking at it like i don't know if they're going to get him we keep waiting for wendell moore who's a high four-star player to commit to duke he hasn't done it yet uh they've got another kid anthony harris who's a top 60 type player coming in this weekend he's expected to get an offer i think if duke offers they're gonna be really tough to beat duke's gonna get players but th this has been struggles not the right word but a bit slower for them of a class than it typically is yeah, Mike you're, you're obviously referring to guys like Josiah James and Brian Antoine, two of their top targets going elsewhere. And I, I think you have to note, because I had a high major head coach call me and, and this topic came up and he was like, look, we can't really say that Duke is struggling because their struggles are different than all of our other struggles. They're going to maybe miss on a couple <laughs> top 10 guys this year, but then they're, they're still going to be able to rebound and go get guys that I still would want. So they're, I think that's something that everybody has to keep in mind. But obviously they've missed on a couple guys they thought they were in position for. Now, I will disagree with you in one area. I think they're right there for Vernon Carey. I think even early on that's where he wanted to go. The process has gone on, and, and they didn't maybe prioritize him enough as early as they should have. But it's certainly going to be a dogfight to get him. And you hit it on Wendell Moore and, and Anthony Harris. I, I think Harris is for sure going to get an offer this weekend. And – I don't know where you see it, Brian, but I thought Virginia Tech was the team to beat. I assume that if he gets that offer, Duke becomes the team to beat. And, you know, the truth is, is, is if Trey Jones comes back, 
they they need a guy that can give them 10 to 15 minutes a game on the ball and Anthony Harris I think can certainly do that and then he's versatile enough where he can play off the ball too and contribute in a couple ways and uh, I think he's arguably the best or one of the best on the ball defenders in that 2019 class yeah and he's a tough kid he competes and he likes playing defense which which is so much of it yeah, and, and as you and I both know from watching so many players, most kids uh, do not like playing defense. But as of now, uh, Duke doesn't have any commitments in 2019, and, and you mentioned it. I think uh, we've all kind of been waiting for Wendell Moore to commit there, um, and that recruitment has turned into a, to a little bit of a battle. So uh, we'll see what happens with that Duke recruiting class. The team that checks in at number three right now in the uh, 24-7 sports uh, team rankings is Louisville. And they've got four commitments, uh, I, I think, especially over the last three weeks or so. They've really picked up uh, some serious recruiting momentum, uh, Brian, with getting uh, David Johnson, Samuel Williamson, and Jalen Withers in consecutive weekends. W- what do you like about that group? You know, it, it's a, it's a program-building class for, for Chris Mack. It, he, what he's trying to do is kind of what he did at Xavier, where he recruits really good four-year guys. And, but he's trying to do it at a slightly higher level. He's trying to get more Trayvon Blewitts and J.P. McCuras, try to get, you know, one or two of those a class instead of one or two of them every three to four years, and, you know, build it through those four-year guys. And I think that's what he's got. You know, to me, the best of the bunch is Samuel Williamson. Uh, he's long. He can shoot. He's a pretty good athlete. He can play multiple wing positions. And then David Johnson's obviously a tremendous get, keeping him home. He committed to Rick Pitino and that staff. Initially, everything went crazy, and he decommitted. But he finally came back into the fold, keeping a, a local top 50-type player home. That's big for Chris Mack. And then Jalen Withers gives him someone who can play small forward, play power forward, depending on how they want to play. And just that versatility, athleticism, and, and ability to score inside and out. So it, it's a really good class for Chris Mack, and he's still got a couple, you know, big fish out there that he's trying to get. So we'll see how he's able to, to finish it out. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And, you know, I, I think like David Johnson, Jalen Withers, Josh Nickelberry, you know, they got Nickelberry early on. But Johnson and Withers, I, I think they that we all kind of expected them to get the, those two uh, at some point. I think Williamson was probably the surprise. I mean, I think most in the industry thought he would eventually – head to Kansas and obviously that visit they had with Samuel Williamson was key but the other thing is is I think with this recruiting class they did a good job of getting kids on campus for unofficial visits in June Uh, all three of those guys Withers Johnson Williamson were on campus unofficially prior to the officials and I think that helped them uh, with this class quite a bit and the big fish you were referring to is Aiden Nigihan is is really their primary focus uh, at the center position I think they're probably the leader, but certainly not a foregone conclusion that they get him, though. Uh, Oregon is in there pretty pretty good as well. But that's the kid that they've really targeted, and he's going to take an official visit um, this weekend. And, you know, if they were to not get him, Brian, I don't really know where they go uh, with a big man because that's certainly what they need. Yeah, they're looking for another big, and then uh... – this could even grow into a six-man class. They're after kind of Quinn Slazinski, who's at Huntington Prep. He's kind of a, a shooter specialist type with some size. So the, there isn't a lot good about the the situation Chris Mack inherited the way he inherited it. But the good thing is you got plenty of roster flexibility and plenty of scholarships to give. So it really allows you to turn things over in, in a short time. And I, I think Chris Mack and his staff are going to do that. Yeah, I think what's interesting too is um... – especially with, I guess, the tumultuous last year that that program has had, what they were able to overcome in terms of recruiting. And uh, I think they've done it pretty uh, impressively. Uh, another school that has done that, and this is my segue to Arizona, 
Um, they, uh, they've been through a lot over the last, I don't know, eight or so months. And, um, it, you know, they were able to get a bunch of guys in the off season, some grad transfers, Ryan Luther, a couple other good players. And then they started off their 2019 recruiting class the last two weeks, uh, getting a five-star kid in Nico Mannion and a rim protector, um, in Christian Coloco. Um, this is a, a good start to their, what I think will be a monster class for Arizona in 2019. Yeah, first of all, pro move with the segue right there, Evan. Gold star for you. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I don't hand those out easily. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think people have this really bad impression of what scandal means in recruiting. The scandal itself, first of all, kids' parents, they don't care. So get that out of your head. They, they don't care. Very few. Agreed. It's about, can you, get, can, you, can you get me to the NBA? Can you develop me? Period. That, that's what kids care about. Kids don't care about scandal. They care about instability. Last year, there was instability with Sean Miller. Would he be back? So you saw kids decommitting. You saw uh, Sharif O'Neal go elsewhere. Brandon Williams decommitted. Now he came back into the fold once there was stability that it was clear Sean would be back. Now that it's very clear Sean's going to be at Arizona for a little while, it's like nothing ever happened, basically. Might not be quite to that level, but they're still going to get good players because they're Arizona, Sean Miller, great brand, great coach, and it's stable. And when you have a stable situation, you can recruit. The scandal doesn't matter as long as there's stability. Once North Carolina got that stability after their academic situation, boom, recruiting picked right back up. Saw it with Louisville, saw it with USC, all about stability, and now Arizona has that. Yep, I completely agree with, with everything uh, you just said. You, know, you look at North Carolina's situation, even what happened kind of led them to recruiting in a different direction, and honestly – uh, it may have benefited them in terms of a, a national championship and a, a Final Four because they were able to get old and stay old. Um, but back to your point, I, I completely agree. Instability is the uh, biggest factor in terms of not being able to recruit. And once you stabilize the program and once um, it's known that that head coach is going to be there uh, for a significant amount of time, and I, I think Arizona backed Sean Miller in a way that people think that, and in Louisville's case, they hired a, a new coach that uh, is obviously going to be there for quite some time. Uh, they were able to pick things back up and, and, and get the ball rolling. Uh, in terms of Arizona's class, um, I really like the pickup of, of Nico Mannion. Um, I think he's a, a pretty complete high school player. I'm curious to see how he develops into college and, and NBA, but he's got good size, speed. I think he's a two-way player. He can really shoot the basketball. And then Coloco brings it from a, a, a rim protection standpoint, an upside standpoint. Um, he hasn't been playing organized basketball that long. Um, and I think it's going to be a from a numbers standpoint and just from a – I think they'll move up the uh, team ranking standpoint. It's going to be a big class full of talent for Arizona. Yeah, I mean, certainly they're involved with Josh Green, uh, native of Australia. It's kind of them and – them in North Carolina right now, it seems like, for a five-star wing. You know, they're really involved with Zeke Naji, another high four-star, borderline five-star power forward out of Minnesota. So there's a lot of kids Arizona's really in with. Beyond that, they're, they're going to end up with a good class. You know, Sean's always done that. He's got a good staff there. So I, I agree with you. I think you're going to see four, maybe five players coming to Arizona this year and just kind of rebuilding, restocking that roster. Yeah, after uh, USC, Kentucky, and Louisville is Villanova at four, Oklahoma at five, and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten goes Gonzaga, Auburn, Xavier, Texas A&M, and UCLA. Those are the top ten recruiting classes currently in the 2019 recruiting class. And, Brian, before I want to let you go, um, I want to hit you with a couple just random topics. Uh, we have James Wiseman, number one in the recruiting class. Obviously, uh, you and I go over these rankings pretty extensively. 
Uh, a lot of times we agree with each other. A lot of times we don't agree with each other. Uh, are you in agreement um, that he's the best prospect in the class? And do you think anyone can catch him? Yeah, I, I agree. We, we do agree that he is number one right now with the asterisk of right now. James honestly has a lot to prove. He was injured a little bit in July. Maybe he shouldn't have been playing. But he was out there and he didn't play that well. And during the spring, he had his moments of up and down. We need to see James show I, – I shouldn't say we – I personally want to see how much does this kid love basketball? Like, to me, that's really interesting. Does he play basketball because he's 6'11", he's athletic, he's skilled, and he's good? Or does he play basketball because he loves it? If it's the former and not the latter, I don't think he's going to stay the number one prospect this year as a senior. I think guys like Cole Anthony, Vernon Carey, Jaden McDaniels from out of Washington who's charging hard, I think those kids all have a chance to pass James Wiseman. No one has cemented themselves as a clear number one player in this class. Yeah, I would agree that it's certainly still open. Um, I definitely uh, do think I am a believer in him and liking basketball. Um, I just think that the – and I agree with what you said about July. He did not have the best July. He was a little banged up. Um, and we need to see, see how, he, uh, how he jumps out into the senior season and, and, and plays, and that's something that we'll certainly be keeping an eye on. And, and obviously there are some other good players at the top. Uh, you mentioned uh, Vernon Carey. Um, there's obviously – uh, Cole Anthony there, and, and who knows, a kid from 2020 could certainly jump into 2019 and, and throw a wrench in all this. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do love the physical makeup. He's six, seven feet tall, seven six wingspan. He's mobile. He runs the floor extremely well, tremendous hands. Uh, and I think that offensively he has quite a bit of potential. So I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, during his senior season probably as much as any player in the country uh, just because I don't think I've seen him healthy in a couple months. And, and as you said, I think there's a lot to prove. Um, and then the second random question for you, Snow, is there a kid um, that you feel, uh, based on your evaluations, that we have underrated uh, in our rankings? I have an idea of where I think you, you know, may go with this, but I'm just curious. I mean, there's several, but for me, it's EJ Liddell. Um, bing, bing, bing. EJ Liddell, out of, out of, he's from uh, the St. Louis area, actually from the state of Illinois, Belleville, but that's a suburb of St. Louis. He's about to make his decision here coming up. It'll probably be Illinois or Ohio State. This kid's a six foot six power forward who's an absolute butt kicker. Like, to me, he's one of my favorite players in the country. He doesn't fit the prototype of an NBA power forward. To me, we're not we're no longer in the area we're no longer in the era of the prototype NBA power forward. He's hard playing, he can switch screens, he can guard anybody, he's productive, he's got long arms, he's an excellent athlete, he's getting better shooting the ball. He's a kid I want to go to war with, and I just think he's gonna be as productive a college player as anybody in this class, and I'm not ruling out if he can make the NBA or if he can improve his shooting that he's going to be an NBA player and be one for a long time. You know, people see the version of P.J. Tucker that he is now. I, I've looked it up before. I can't remember the exact number, but in his two or three years at Texas, P.J. Tucker shot like one or two threes. He was an interior six-foot-five player. Well, P.J. Tucker became a good shooter. EJ, and, and E.J. Liddell is already a better shooter than P.J. Tucker was in college, and he's still in high school. And E.J. Liddell is a little bit more athletic. So I think, I think he's got a chance to really play in the NBA, and he's someone who I would go higher in the rankings with. Yeah, and I, I think E.J. Liddell is a guy that has really grew on me throughout the summer. And uh, from a production standpoint, he really, uh, he really performed well. And I think he's tough and he's physical. But you know what else was productive, Snow, was this podcast. 
And uh, I appreciate uh, you taking the time out and, and jumping on the podcast. How was that segue? Anything for you, Evan. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Snow. Thanks for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. And thank you guys for listening. The best way you can support this podcast is to shoot over Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Also, it would be helpful if you leave a rating and a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter, at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. As always, thanks for listening, and have a great week.